Restoration, Revival, Reformation. This is a Renowned Faith broadcast. You can find more information at RenownedFaith.com. Now, here is J.R. Darwin. Hey guys, welcome back. We're on episode 6. In the previous episode, I talked about the night that I was born again. The beautiful testimony of that. And now I want to get a little bit more into what happened after that. Like I said, I'd grown up in a Pentecostal church, and uh, a couple weeks after I was saved, born again, I was talking to my grandma, and she's like, oh, you need to come to church, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can start speaking in other tongues, and I was like, yeah, that sounds good, and she shared with me, you know, Acts 4 and different parts of Acts, the book of Acts, and so I began praying and praying to God, oh, if If there's more to you, God, that I don't have, I want it. I want it. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I began reading all these books about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and claiming your spiritual gifts and how God uses people with spiritual gifts in their life. And there were a lot of things. I just knew that um, I had heard a message, you know, about the book of Acts and how when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll speak in other tongues and you'll have power. You'll have lots of power. You'll have power to witness to people even more boldly than before. And I thought, oh, I'm pretty bold about witnessing now. What happens when I get this power from on high? It fills me. I get filled with the Holy Spirit. I have this supernatural prayer language. I'll be like a superhuman Christian guy. And I was drawn to that. I was drawn to this power that they've promised me, oh, this power from on high. And so I began to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I began to seek this infilling, this experience of praying in other tongues. And I kept seeking and I kept seeking and I would beat myself up because it wasn't coming. And I would grovel before God and I would say, what's wrong with me, God? Why does everybody else get this and I don't? What's wrong with me? Why can't I have it? What am I doing wrong? Did I do something wrong that I don't get it? I heard that it was promised to everybody, yet I don't have it. And so these are how my prayers at that point would go. Me wrestling with God for more power. <laughs> I mean, looking back on it, it's interesting. Um, and so I went to church with my grandma a couple weeks later, and she was telling the pastor, you know, Oh, he really, you know, he's, he's having trouble. He really wants to speak in tongues. And he, you know, wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and so he calls me up, you know. And the congregation surrounds me and lays hands on my shoulders and my back and different things. And they just all begin praying in tongues. And the minister puts his hand, two fingers on my solar plex, on my stomach. And he said, just speak it out. Just speak it out. And so I'm just starting to speak out what I'm hearing, everybody else saying, and a couple syllables, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, just repeat that, just repeat it, shout out, blah, 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 whatever, you know, and uh, so I'm doing it, I'm repeating it, I'm like, huh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, you know, and everybody's excited, yay, he's doing it, he's 
tongues. Yahoo! And it's just a big celebration. And I'm like, whoo, I'm so glad that that finally happened. And I didn't feel too much more powerful. But uh, I went home that night and I'm just praying in tongues under my breath, you know, and I'm just, oh, I'm going to pray everywhere now. This is so supernatural. And God gave me this supernatural language of shabadadabada. And um, man, I'm going to use this to its fullest, you know. And so that's what I did. I there's I heard that there was so much power in praying in other tongues and your tongue, your prayer language, you know. And, oh gosh, it's just so important. Well, I continued <laughs> practicing in tongues until, or speaking in tongues. I continued speaking in tongues until maybe about two years ago. So I did it for almost 12 years. You hear me? I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongue speaking, baptized in the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost filled, Pentecostal for 12 years. And two years ago, I stopped. I'm going to get into the teaching of tongues, but not in this podcast. And I am going to tell you during (laughs) the podcast on tongues what it is that led me in the direction that I'm, or the path that I'm on now. There were a few things that finally got me. And I said, wait a second, I don't think I believe in this. Wait a second, I don't think this is biblical. Wait a second, let's go back and look at those verses that everybody used to convince me that it was biblical. Oh, no, they took them out of context, or they misused them, or... Anyway, so, hey, that night, I got I got my prayer language, and I used it for 12 years, Okay. Maybe it led me to do this podcast um, 14 years later. Who knows? So I began looking for a church. My grandma's church was nice. I'd grown up in it, you know, but it was small. They'd lost a lot of members of the congregation. There weren't a lot of youth there. In fact, there were no youth there at that point. There were a few core families, and that was it. I needed a church that I could go to that had people my age and that could encourage me and stuff. And so I began to look for another church. Okay, I tried a lot of churches. I went clear across denominational lines. I tried Methodist churches. I tried Lutheran churches. I tried Baptist churches. I tried other Pentecostal churches. I went everywhere I could. And it wasn't just on Sundays. I found a church service on nearly every single day of the week in my neighborhood. Okay? And I went to church every single chance I got. If they were having a church service, I would be there. Because I was hungry. I was hungry for the things of God. I I wanted to know more. I had to know more about God. I had to read my Bible. I had to consume myself with this, this path of knowing God more. Because I loved him so much because of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. This beautiful, glorious gift that was given to me, the forgiveness of sin. And so I just... I had to know more about God, and I just read and read and read the Bible, and I would do Bible studies, and I would stay up late at night, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I I remember reading Ephesians for the first time. I remember reading the passages where it says, I'm an heir. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir to his kingdom. 
oh my gosh, that hit me like, <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I'm an heir? I'm an heir? Oh, I'm a father who loves me and he's accepting me into his kingdom as more than a servant, as a son? It's beautiful. And the more I searched um, for a church, the more I got confused about different <laughs> denominations and different ways of preaching and ways of worshiping. And there were all so many varieties <laughs> of church services that I attended. And I finally found my way to a church and a youth group that was uh, Pentecostal and I had no idea at the time what the Word of Faith movement was. I never heard of such a thing. But the church that I found myself in was affiliated with Rama Bible Training Center, Rama Church, which is Kenneth Hagin's church and ministry. Some of you may know Kenneth Hagin. And so I was being taught Kenneth Hagin's doctrine on faith. And they call it the Word of Faith. So the Word of Faith movement. So throughout that time, I sat under a minister who preached the Word of Faith doctrine. And it has a lot to do with healing, prosperity, physical healing. I'm talking about physical healing, prosperity, and confession. Now, when I say confession, a lot of, you know, some of you think of Catholic confession, where you go into a booth with a priest and you confess your sins. That's not the kind of confession I'm talking about in the Word of Faith movement. The type of confession in the Word of Faith movement is their belief that words are a physical force, that words have the ability to form reality, that God spoke the world into existence, and therefore we are God's children and we are made in His image, and the words that we speak have creative power in the natural realm. And so that we shouldn't confess things that we don't want to happen. We should confess things that we do want to happen. For instance, um, (laughs) they would use some really silly examples of, um, oh, poor baby. Like if you said poor baby to your kids, you you would be um, speaking over them a bad confession because you're calling them poor rather than rich. So you should call them rich baby instead of poor baby. (laughs) Or (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that seems really silly, but that is literally what they talk about. And your confession has to be correct. Um, (laughs) um, You shouldn't, there's certain things that you just shouldn't confess with your mouth. Instead, you should confess what you want rather than what you have. Um, Instead of saying, my bank account is empty, you should say, my wallet is full. My wallet is stuffed full of money. My bank account is full and overflowing. And so that's what I mean by confession, because they believe that words have a force to create things. Now, ultimately, this, of course, is a New Age belief that has its roots in the occult and the New Age movement, um, where, well, actually, it's called the Law of Attraction. Just like the book that was popular a while back called The Secret, the Law of Attraction has been used 
by occultists for a long time, and now it's being incorporated into a Christian message. Uh, thanks to Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen. Thank you so much, Kenneth Hagen. And Kenneth Hagin is a bit idolized within this Word of Faith movement because he's the father of faith, is what they say. He's the father of faith. He brought us this wonderful, beautiful Word of Faith doctrine and message, and he's the great prophet. That's what he likens, they liken him to as a prophet. You know, and he has all these different encounters of meeting with Jesus and um, all these miraculous things of him being lifted up from his deathbed, and uh, that was after he went to hell and uh, came back to life, and I don't really want to talk much about Kenneth Hagin right now, okay? But you kind of have a little bit of an understanding of the kind of church I was in. And so I felt a calling, I'd always felt a calling to go into the ministry, to preach, to share the Word of God. And so... My pastor at the time graduated from Rama Bible Training Center, and I thought, oh, that seems like a good place. And that's where I decided to go to Bible school, was Rama Bible Training Center in Oklahoma. So I head off to Bible school. Didn't know a single person <laughs> in Oklahoma. Uh, packed up some uh, Goodwill furniture and a bed that I got from Goodwill, and all my belongings into a U-Haul truck, hitched my car to the back of it, and drove to Oklahoma. And that's where I started school for the ministry. You know, at that point, I still wasn't exactly sure how this whole word of faith thing worked. And I was like, hmm, I'm still not quite getting it, how this confession thing works, how, how we are, you know, supposed to have dominion over the earth and the things that happen. And, you know, it's dominionism. It was taught there. And I guess when I got there, I kind of thought that maybe they would, you know, like actually teach me the Bible. <laughs> like uh, being, you know, it's a Bible training center. Instead, I basically got um, taught Kenneth Hagin's doctrine. In fact, nearly every textbook was written by Kenneth Hagin. Because, after all, according to all of the people there, he's the ultimate authority on pretty much every topic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, he's the great prophet, of course. He'd have, you know, revelation on every single topic of the Bible. Um, so, yeah, I was thoroughly, I was thoroughly trained in Kenneth Hagin doctrine, okay? Um, and I, for the whole first year, I pretty much, uh, pretty much accepted all of what they said. You know, I had my guard up at first because some of the stuff they were saying didn't really feel right. But then I kind of just gave in and thought, oh, look at all these people. You know, nobody else is questioning this. Um, maybe I just, maybe I should just go with the flow and I let my guard down. I let my discernment down and just decided to be swept up in the teachings and not really question it. You know, it's funny. I actually read the Bible a lot more before I went to Bible school than during it. Instead, I was, they had me reading all kinds of Kenneth Hagin books. I hardly ever read the Bible. And so 
In episode 7, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my time at Bible school, maybe a little bit more about what I learned at Bible school, and then um, my second year of Bible school, which it it was only a two-year school, like the program is a two-year program. They have a third and fourth year too, but like most of the time it's just a two-year program, uh, a two-year school. And so I was uh, about ready to graduate, actually, and my military unit was getting deployed. And so we'll pick up there next time. Thank you guys for listening. That concludes today's broadcast. We hope that you will visit our website at renownedfaith.com for more information about this ministry. We humbly ask for your continued prayers.